evening, everyone. Welcome to My Bloody Podcast. Oh my god, it's the sweetest, scariest, and best-smelling podcast about horror in the entire world. And it is number 10, meaning this one's in space. Like Jason X, yo, I am Brian Kluger. I'm so excited for today. It is going to be amazing. We have a special guest that we always talk about. Oh my god, he's Donald ducking it right now, and I'm so excited excited but before we get to him i am with the co-hostess with the mostess senior love daddy the triple truth ruth preston barto what's up my man hey 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 <laughs> i so we're doing video right now and i could just see like Preston's not one nostril and an eyebrow, basically. So it's it's really in my in my fan or not in my little chandelier here. Yeah, a chandelier fan, not like somebody's there like cheering him on just yet. But you doing all right, buddy? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Lots of movie watching this week, and uh, just read my son Harry Potter, so I'm uh, attentive now. Supposedly, it was the 20th anniversary of Harry Potter. Oh my God, that dude's old. Yeah, they're doing a uh, special screening of Chamber of Secrets at the Half Price Books, the flagship in Dallas this week. and uh, Or maybe they did it already. I think it was Friday. Or no, Tuesday. Tuesday. Right. And uh, they did, like, butterbeer and trivia. So I would have loved to go to that. I like sticks I saw Sicario instead. Oh, Sicario Part 2. We'll get to that in a second. But I like butter in my beer. But we have a special guest. If you've ever listened to this podcast, we have always talked about... A mythic legend. He's half horse, half sperm whale, half amazing man. We see him at film festivals. We see him in the movies. We see him online. His name is James Cole Clay, and we love him dearly. He's finally joining us. I don't know. I, I think he lives on, like, Caprica or Transylvania, but I'm just glad he's finding the time to come on the show. We love him. James Cole Clay. What up? Hello, hello. I I am back from my journey from Caprica. I have seen the people of uh, Romula, and I have traveled through many dimensions. And now I'm a equine sapien, apparently, or something like that. Some sort of horse-human hybrid, apparently, as I've transformed through the dimensions. Doesn't that sound good? Yeah, it does. It sounds like I've reached a higher plane of existence where I can watch three movies at once. Good deal. I'm so happy to have you on. Uh, I met James Cole Clay. Do I just call you Cole? Do I call you Clay? Do I call you James? Uh, Man, you know, I don't really want to get into it, but it's like super confusing because I grew up being called Cole because my parents. And then for some reason, my email was James and I used it professionally uh, with like PR emails. And so I started having to go by James. So you can just call me Cole. All right. <laughs> See, See it's I, like a non, it's a non thing. So, I call, I, I, I met Cole in Austin, I think once, and we just fell in love and we watch movies and horror movies and Wolf Cop, Wolf Cop. Oh my God. Speaking of Wolf Cop, I just got another Wolf Cop in the mail. Today. <laughs> <laughs> yes. That did it's happen. So funny. <laughs> um, so we, awesome. we just, we just bonded and We've been together yeah, for, for 40 sure. years now, so... Um, yeah, yeah, we've seen some good stuff. We have, and I know you, you've listened to the podcast before, right? 
course, of course. I've listened to all nine episodes, and I'm I'm very happy you're on our tenth one, our in this yeah yeah this one. Uh, but we have yeah, fucking ten. Yeah, ten. I want to do like a Malcolm X thing, but it's not going to work. Um, but we have a lot to talk about. We're going to talk about a really fun '80s movie for our main event tonight uh, called My Demon Lover. We're going to have my bloody recommendations. We're going to talk about some news, but. Uh, Cole and Preston had an awesome weekend. They were in Austin doing something out on the water. They were watching a certain movie on the water, which sounds scary as all hell. What did y'all do? Who who wants to talk? Take about it away, Cole. Yeah. Oh well, we watched the greatest movie ever mm-hmm. that you could possibly imagine to watch on the water, and really just one of the greatest movies ever. Uh, we watched Jaws on the Water. Uh, the Alamo Draft House was. Nice enough, really cool, uh, invited uh, Preston and myself uh, out, and so he went Friday night and I went Saturday night, and we uh, took our uh, significant others out to about 45 minutes outside of Austin to this place called Lake uh, Valente Beach. Is that what it is? Is that what it's called? Valente Beach it's on Lake Travis? V- Valente Beach Resort on Lake Travis, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you can go there and get uh, a few hours early, do some water slides, hang out. Uh, but the main event is getting there for Jaws on the Water, which happens at as the sun goes down. So you get a – the coolest part is they gave us this tube, and uh, it's a custom-made tube uh, with a headrest and cup holder made out of the little yellow uh, – raft that andy kindler gets killed on essentially is what it's modeled kindler alex kentler yeah there we go yeah so uh it's it's made after after him and it's really cool and and you get to keep it and you get to hang out and you get to get really cold on the water and surprisingly people get really quiet and just vibe to this movie it just has a Hold on, yeah. It's a good one. So, it, I mean, it was really cool. It was unlike anything I've ever done before in my life, and it was memorable. How was the sound and, like, the video? And, like, is it actually that scary? I mean, watching it in a swimming pool or, like, a bathtub is probably one thing, but actually watching it on water where there could be some sharks <laughs> is probably quite terrifying. Or do you just put it out of your mind? Well, you kind of put it out of your mind a little bit, but ever since I was a kid... I've always feared pools and being in the lake, even if, uh, you know, because sharks, they, they're in salt water. So I, I, when I think a little more about it, it's okay. I can put it out. But uh, the screen is, uh, it looks like, especially during sequences where, like, uh, there's, like, a lot of water on screen, it looks like the water from that you're floating on is almost continuing through the, the screen so it all looks like it's connected so uh it's definitely uh scary and uh enjoyable so yeah we had a great time the the screen uh flows through the wind it's really cool it looks mm-hmm. neat yeah and it sounds good it's good they do they do a good job that's cool it's all front it's all front loaded but it sounds good yeah because yeah. uh it, it like echoes off the yeah. boats that are uh you know docked behind us so it sounds good now, do they serve beer? Do you, do you all have some libations on the water? <laughs> yeah, you, yeah. You uh, you can purchase these wristbands. They're like forty six bucks, but you have to know how many beers you kind of want on the water. But you have access to the bars from like six to eight p.m. Uh, that they have. They have two of them out there. 
And so you can drink other stuff, but the, the selection's a little more limited uh, when you're out, actually out in the water. But you buy these wristbands, and you can have beers like Land Sharks and things like that. And you have a glow stick, and you just kind of, like, wave it in the air. And there's uh, waiters that are around this uh, dock area, and uh, they'll bring you a beer. And you just give them your wristband. That's it. Did anybody have a good, like, cheer or uh, at the very end when he's like, smile, you son of a bitch, or something like that? Is that the line that he says? Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, there's – they uh, – I don't know if I want to spoil what happened. Yeah, that's the do. thing. Yeah, they do. They, they, there's they, some cool they, surprises. They, yeah, they do some exciting stuff. Okay. Yeah, there is. It's more than just sitting there. There's I, – I really don't want to give anything away. It's – the, I think the downside that people – the only downside to it is it does have a hefty price tag. Uh, I think tickets are like between 55 and 65 bucks. Um, parking, getting out there, um, it's worth it. I mean it is. It's worth it. Um, but um, there are just things that you have to take into account with it. But the thing is, is you, with that price point, you get the surprises that we're mentioning that I would not want to spoil because of – uh, everything that's associated along with it. Um, it's best just to go in and just let time slip away. That's what I did. So it, basically your money, your 55 bucks, are not just going to the movie. It's going to just a right. bunch of really cool stuff that's going to happen. Uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And just uh, effects and getting a tube and uh, being in a cool, safe environment that's uh, friendly for all, you know, really, you know, I guess kids. I don't know, but um, – you know, it, it just accommodates. It's very accommodating. And so if for that, you got, you know, you you can charge something like that, essentially. Well, I think that's probably the mm-hmm. ultimate way, minus being yeah. at Martha's Vineyard on that actual body of water. <laughs> but watching it in the jaws in the water like that is probably yeah. the ultimate way to watch that movie. Which is Yeah, it's cool. cool. Yeah, Super man, those cool. characters in that movie, they're just the best. I just was laughing my ass off. So every so time... So many lines. So, right. yeah, every time y'all watch Jaws, does it just get better? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I didn't see it until college. Um, it was a preconceived notion uh, that I had that I didn't think it was going to be as exciting. Just short-sightedness, uh, you know. And then uh, I found it. And I think that's the way people should find movies is that way because it makes it that more special and you fall in love. And there's no perfect time to find something. You can come late to the party. Like, that's cool. And this movie has just taken a hold of me. I'm, like, obsessed with it um, right now, and it's great. And so all these cool things are really exacerbating that love, and it's really cool. It's a really fun feeling. That's very cool. I like it. I like I, it. I'm very, I'm very emotional about my movies. <laughs> You're, we're all passionate. I think that's why we do yeah. what we do. Oh, so, for sure, for sure. Um, all right. Well, I need to go do this because I've never done this, and I feel it's like rad. Too. All right, I need to do this. All right, let's move on. Some horror news. We got to talk about the latest horror movie trailer. Actually, two of them. Uh, <laughs> Let's talk about Predator. We had a Predator teaser trailer a few weeks ago, uh, which mm-hmm. looked like total horseshit. It just made you think, like, why are we making this? This looks terrible. And you think that 
But then you know who's making it, which is Fred Decker and Shane Black, meaning the people that made Monster Squad. And one of the guys that was in the original Predator are making this new Predator movie. So he's like, you hold out hope. Um, and then they released this R-rated trailer, which actually looked really good. I'm very excited for this. Uh, so, Preston, I know you saw this trailer. Mm-hmm. And did you think yeah. did you think it was better? Uh, yeah, I thought it was miles better. Uh, however, it still has kind of like the same beef that I have with the Jurassic Park movies is they bring in some giant, uh, monster creature to come in, but the, the how, cause they have an ultimate predator in it and it looks like it's like five times the size of the predator in the first 1987 film. And, um, <clears throat> but how, how that monster got there or was created. Cause I'm kind of my, my theory is that humans created it. And because why else is it killing the other predators in the film? Unless it's just pissed off at them or is it like an advanced race kind of like Prometheus or something like that. But I think that it is part Arnold Schwarzenegger's character and part predator and they like mixed it and made like a hybrid out of them. And that's who it is. So we'll get to that in a second, but I want to know Cole's feelings about this. Cause he doesn't seem like he's too excited about this predator movie or the trailer. Well, well <laughs> so I'm going to have uh, an unpopular opinion and I liked the 2010 predators movie with Adrian Brody. I did too, man. I did too. And yeah. I got shit for it. Constantly, yeah. everybody says like Adrian Brody's no action star. And I'm like, dude, dude. Uh, he sure is. Yeah. He you he sure is. You watch that movie. It's good. It's dark. It's daring. And um, I, I like the filmmaker. I believe that was Nimrod and Tall. I think he did Splice as well, maybe. Yes. Um, but it's a crazy movie, and I can't believe they let that guy make that movie. Honestly. Um, so, but to this Predator, uh, I didn't watch the trailer because I'm pretty selective with that. I really want to go in open-minded because I'm already, as much as I love the nice guys, uh, Shane Black isn't perfect. Uh, you know, Iron Man 3 is okay, I guess. Um, and, and this seems to me like it's going to be hampered by those studio problems that, and it's, and it's hard to articulate, but I'm more forgiving of the Jurassic World, uh, the new ones. But this seems it does have the same sort of idea, but I'm a little more apprehensive because I did see that first trailer. Um, so I've like, okay, I've seen enough. Da- I don't want this to be damaged anymore. I'm just going to go see it. I'm going to shut up and go see it. Uh, I'm going to be there. I'm going to be optimistic. Um, but um, from the things I'm hearing about this super predator, I don't know about that. So Yeah, I, so they, they have I, to bring that in. Yeah, it's really weird. And Preston brought up a good thing. There is tons of rumors and chatter going on on them internets about how maybe Arnold Schwarzenegger's character or even Dutch's Apollo Creed's character in the Predator yeah. kind of like got together and like did a little something and like made a super Predator oh. baby. <laughs> Which I got. I hope but, that's so, the case. The thing though <laughs> is with Shane Black, you can do something silly, but with Shane Black, you don't want him to do that. You want him to do something that is going to be more uh, hard hitting. But if something is going to be lofty and silly, then own it and that's fine but and aren't I'm down all of his movies it. silly though like kiss kiss bang they bang are inherently yeah so they are inherently so it's it's hard to where you draw the line you just have to make the call within yourself i don't think there's a right or a wrong place to draw a line in the sands but um it, it's different for everybody but that's what makes it fun to talk about <laughs> yes it does uh, so it's, it's like 
completely different takes. It's awesome. So you're going to see the movie, right? Oh, oh my gosh. The first chance I get. Absolutely. <laughs> God, let's absolutely. hope there's a nuclear explosion in that Fred movie. Decker, like, though, he has, huh? Fred Decker hasn't done anything in like 20 years. I think the last thing he did was Monster Squad, right? <laughs> that's amazing. Okay, that's cool. That's crazy. No, wait. What Fred Decker did Night of the Creeps, though, right? After Monster Squad? Or Night that... of the Creeps? Uh, it's still the same time period, man. Yeah. Like, I mean, I've already done uh, graduated school and everything since then. So, I mean, <laughs> worked at Circuit City selling DVDs, and here I am. I mean, he's – it's crazy. Oh, and I was so cool. born. Yeah. <laughs> I'm wondering how that story went. How it's cool. It's a cool Hollywood story. To, yeah, to it see is. That pop up. But I'm excited for this yeah, Predator. It looks. I mean, yeah. the, the latest trailer. I mean, that that first teaser again. Just don't watch it. But if you watch this new one, uh, it actually looks really good. And you're when you see this giant Predator, you're just kind of like, okay, I'm kind of into this, and hopefully I don't fuck it up. Let's hope not. I have faith in Shane Black. Got a good cast. Got a good cast. Yeah. No, it looks it yeah. looks good. It, it looks good. All right. Predator, on to the next horror trailer, which just, ah, this looks like Nick Cage turned to 11 in a horror movie full of blood <laughs> um, called Mandy. Uh, it's a very sweet title, but yeah. it's anything but that, I think. <laughs> Preston, what is this? What is this movie about? Oh, gosh. Uh... Him against, like, these evil forces, it kind of looks like something, I don't want to say Mad Max-like, but it just has that kind of intensity of Mad Max, but it looks like it's, like, mixed with, with satanic cults, evil forces, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. There's, like, a shot of Nick Cage at the very end of the trailer where he brings out, like, this normal-sized chainsaw, and then some other dude brings out this super long one, <laughs> and then it... <laughs> Yay! They're measuring. I see your Schwartz is as big as mine. <laughs> if you're going to do crazy, you got to get Nick Cage on board. You know, he's the perfect guy to just go along with it. I mean, he... Bl- bloody face and screaming. Yep. Yep. It's going to be great. Like, do you, Yeah, so Nick Cage, not many people know this, but Nick Cage makes like three movies a year, and you might see or hear of one of them. Uh, and I wonder if he's ever going to get back on top again. Do you think this is the movie to do it? <laughs> I think he is on top. I think he kind of <laughs> comes up, comes in ebbs and flows. Like, he'll do one re- really good movie and then go back to his shit ones. I think yeah, Dangerous 2. <laughs> yeah, 211. Oh, my. Yeah. I did, I did see Mom and Dad, though. So, I mean, that movie got some cred, but it's nowhere near, like... You know, like a list type material. It's like a very niche uh, sort of thing. But he he pops up. I mean, he's had some he's had some roles. But that's the thing with Nick Cage. There's a whole episode on Community about the science of Nick Cage's uh, acting. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you can't quantify it. It's it's an anomaly. You know, I think that's some of the best movies ever made are with Nick Cage in it. Like. Oh. I mean, I mean, like Raising Arizona Game or Price Adaptation. Kiss? You know, those movies. Yeah, Adaptation. Are fantastic. And it shows Absolutely. his acting ability. Um, but then he does Vampire's like, Kiss. Yes. <laughs> A, B, C, T, <laughs> D, it's, it's, it's an insane... Oh, man, that is a movie. That Vampire's Kiss, that is a movie. Yeah, no. Mandy, though, I've, I have heard it is fantastic, though. I think it premiered at Cannes. 
and yeah. um, or Sundance, it, I think Sundance, maybe. Yeah, I guess so. So it's been around all year, and I've heard uh, things, but I know I'm on board. So I'm trying to go in as open as possible. Is maybe it's going to be crazy, like so uh, uh, here or something? I don't know. Let me read the log line. It says Mandy uh, is set in the primal wilderness of 1983 where red miller a broken and haunted man hunts an unhinged religious sect who slaughtered the love of his life <laughs> yes and it's uh directed by panos cosmatos who was one of the video assistants on uh or video assistant operator on tombstone but other than that he's did this movie called beyond the black rainbow which is Looks like one of those uh, movies you've never heard of. I think it's a Fantastic Fest film. I think I've heard of that that movie. I don't know much about it, but I've heard whispers of it, and I've heard it. You know, it's trippy. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm, I I am excited to see this. I think I would try to see everything with Nick Cage. Um, but yeah, that's hard. It, it is. There's like hundreds of movies that he's in. Um, but I, but I try to like to get all, all the, all the ones that go straight to DVD or straight to home video. I try to watch just to see him in it. And you know, he's, of course, he's always fun. So I don't know. Oh, I'm with you on that. He, uh, he's interesting. He did this screening in, uh, Austin at the Alamo and he, he did four showed four programmed four of his films and was there and sat there and watched all four of them and talked about them to the Austin crowd last year. And was, I was it like, called like Cage Palooza or Cage Athon? It or was something? called. It was just. I think it was called Caged, and it was like had a yeah. four where the G was. <laughs> and uh, yeah, man. I mean, that's incredible. I would have loved to have been there. And when I heard about that, I just got to keep my ear to the ground. I'm better, but yeah, he's he's amazing and. An ironic way and not an ironic way at the same time. So it's he's a confusing guy. All right, yeah, he's he's very interesting. Um, any other? Is, does anybody want to bring up any other news uh, for horror wise that they just been dying to get out? Um, well, Curse of the Cat People came out this week, and I watched that. So. 70-minute-long black-and-white movie that came out in 1944. It was the sequel to Cat People, which was then eventually remade. Um, Cole, did you ever see the remake of Cat People? The uh, Is it a uh, Paul Schrader movie? Yeah, that one. <laughs> I've been looking for the Blu-ray. I've been looking for the Blu-ray with the slipcover because I'm picky like that. Yeah. And uh, I can't find it. So I'm waiting until I can find that so I can see it. But it is on my agenda. I love the the artwork for it. Have you seen it? I've ne- I haven't seen uh, Paul Schrader's version. I've I watched the the original Cat People, the 1942 version, which is also kind of short, but this one uh, Curse of the Cat People is kind of like Trolls 2 in that it has nothing to do with cats. True. And cat people, so it's more of like because it's called the curse, and so it's just about this uh, cursed girl whose uh, mother was involved in the first film. So it has the same characters as the first movie, but it's an entirely different story. Brian, did you see this? Did you review this at all? I did, and I have it, and I actually like this movie just because it's like it's almost kind of like almost like a Disney movie in a way. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. Or like a dark Disney movie um, because it's not really scary, but it's 
it's got like some pretty good themes to it as far as like uh, a little girl and her mother or her long lost mother mm-hmm. type of thing. I thought it was, it's pretty good, but it's like more like instead of cat people, more like ghost type of thing or haunting in a way. Yeah. I like I like it. Um, it's it's again it's really short movie, but I like the kind of like the sentimental aspect about it. And like if you you hear yeah. a title called Curse of the Cat People and you really think like there are literal cat people, um, there's not, unfortunately. Yeah. <laughs> uh, another one I wanted to bring up. It's not really horror, but it's very bloody. Uh, is uh, John Claude Van Damme's Lionheart. Uh, he uh, wrote it, oh, nice. co-wrote it, oh, and yeah. uh, came out in 1990. And uh, MVD Rewind Collection just put it out, and I watched it a few nights ago. And uh, I'm just really having a kick on JCVD. Uh, or, you know, I watched uh, Cyborg earlier this year, Black Eagle, but this one's my favorite so far. Oh, yeah. uh, it's it's kind of like a, an underground version of Rocky. In a lot of ways, uh, he's a soldier that's in the French Legion, and he's a deserter because he heard through the grapevine that his brother was uh, seriously injured back in the States, and he uh, deserts his his uh, team and then and he goes back to the States. But in order to get there, he joins an underground uh, fight club <laughs> to earn money. <laughs> And as one does, uh, <laughs> yep. And uh, he does. It's all, all the the butt flexing and splits and uh, fights and great one liners that you would want from that kind of movie. I love so, that movie growing uh, up. It's early JCVD. It's, it's it's good stuff. Wait till you get to the Time Cop, buddy, or yeah. Double Team with Dennis Rodman. With double Team. <laughs> yeah, that is. <laughs> We're already speaking for the fences there. Uh, yeah, the the yeah, if you, JCVD, Jean Claude Van Damme has become such a pop culture icon these days. Recently, just go back and watch all of his old movies. This is when we grew up and when he was really popular. He was the top of his game. Super fun. Um, uh, I. I yeah. have a bit of news that yeah. I saw uh, as I was texting and driving on the way home from my screening tonight. <laughs> uh, I saw um, – uh, oh, shoot. Jessica Chastain started shooting it today, mm-hmm. and yeah. she posted this really awesome Instagram photo with her and uh, the younger version of Beverly – uh, split, and she said day one. And so it was cool because she was reading the book on Instagram the other day, and I, for one – I uh, really love Jessica Chastain in general, and I thoroughly enjoy uh, it. Not the TV movie, but the one that came out last year that everybody uh, loved, uh, mainly for its story. Not as much as it scares, but uh, I am so excited to see what she does with this movie, and I'm so excited just to hear about it. Um, I think the casting ended up shaping up really nicely, a good balance of well-knowns versus uh, unknowns. So. I, I am just ecstatic to see that she's like on the set. It's happening. It's it's going to come up quicker than we think, and I, I'm just um, very very excited for that news. <laughs> Me too. Me too. Uh, I like Jessica Chastain uh, as her as the actress. Uh, I think she does good jobs in her roles, and of course, I agree with you. It, the film that was released, was damn good, funny, um, and just. Uh, 
I can't wait for the sequel, and hopefully it's just as good. It was definitely one of the most entertaining, straight-up entertaining movies of last year, in my opinion. I mean, just completely. I agree. Um, so, yeah, it's good times. I agree. All right. I have a serious movie question for you regarding the movie It Follows. All right. Um, I saw this online, and I had to think about it. So you both like the movie It Follows, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. So serious question. If there is double penetration scenario, if there's a double penetration scenario, who does It Follow in that scenario? Um, <laughs> can I take the floor? Yes, you can, sir. Ed- my guess is the vagina, whoever's in the vagina. Oh, well, I think – so, you know, a few years ago, Tarantino ripped this movie to shreds. I remember that article. Um, and an infamous uh, article. Yeah, is so that kind of ruined the logic of the movie for me. But if you really want to play that game with the logic, <laughs> um, I, it, it, it's – that's – well, I mean, whoever – First well, come, first serve? Yeah, whoever penetrates first, right? Or ever who finishes yeah, first. Yeah, because well, I there's guess. there's that there's that there's that scene in the movie that they allude to where she goes out on the boat and there's like two guys on it. That's true. Yeah, so it would go to the person who entered second, first. and then it would go. Yeah, the person who entered first, and then the person that entered second, and then it would get the person who was getting entered. Ah, uh, so so that that's right. that, I, I don't know. I don't Aliens. know. Aliens. <laughs> I got that question offline, and I thought that was like, huh, that's pretty good. I mean, I, we all remember the Tarantino article, and it had flaws, but also, it's like, yeah, who does it follow? How does that? <laughs> if, if I think it would just be like, you get them all three at the same time. Because they would all, like, if they were doing it, then, well... Never mind. No, it comes later. I was thinking because there's that one scene where it comes like immediately. Um, but yeah, I guess if they split, then it would just make its way. It would. Everybody I guess. who has sex will be gotten. We, we just got to write the sequel. So, do you think oh, in a in like if there was a sequel and it follows, do you think people would like literally uh, like let's say that happened to you and you see somebody coming? Would you like drive across the country or take a plane somewhere and just like you know wait the you know, however long it takes a couple months for them to get to you and then just do the same thing back? Or would you just have sex with somebody? I would try to... Did they hop on a plane or do they have to swim? I have no idea. They they drive to like a beach house and that's where they go. No, no, I mean like if if I were to say fly to Asia, would they swim across the water or did they have the knowledge to hop on a boat or a plane to get there? Well, I don't know. Or would I? Or would I, I don't have know. A, a couple of a couple of years? Did they just like walk on the bottom? I think of the you water, would have a couple like, of Pirates of the Caribbean or something. Yeah, I think you would have a couple of years. That's what I really think. I think that it would it would come back years later, for sure. Hmm. But constant paranoia. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. That's the scary part about it. It's uh, yeah. That's what I think would happen for sure. It would it would take a long time. But if you're like. Somebody like Anthony Bourdain, and you're just jet setting forever, then you're good. Yeah, just go to space. Yeah, just go to space. 
I want to see It Follows versus the Jason from Jason X. That would be great. How Well, they're like the same character because he just kind of walks. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I love the Jason X reference. When we were thinking of 10, I, I just – that was just so, – I was trying so hard not to laugh. Uh, I just love that. I love that movie so much. I do too. So I actually saw that in the theater opening night when that came out. I, re- I remember when that came out and starring David Cronenberg of all people, director David Cronenberg. <laughs> He had to be in a Friday the 13th Jason movie. Actually, I guess it's Jason 10 movie, but yes. It's so good. Um, Is there anything else before we get to my bloody recommendations? Uh, I don't think so. Mm -hmm. I think that's it. All right. Oh, uh, wait, wait. Jared Leto was cast in a Marvel movie. uh, The damn it, was it called? Something uh, Vampire Live. Morbius? Yeah, it's the vampire. It's like dark Spider-Man type shit. To go along with Venom. Oh, is this character called Morbius? Is that what it is? Well, so we don't know what character he's playing, but the vampire called Morbius is a Marvel character. Oh, okay. Um, okay. And we don't know, but it could be, meaning interestingly. So who – so I guess Chris Evans and uh, Ryan Reynolds have – been different superheroes in major movies and i think ryan reynolds is the only one that's been for dc and marvel and if this is true for jared leto he would be the joker and and then and this marvel is there anybody else has done differently am i thinking of michael b jordan michael b jordan did fantastic four and it's true black panther that's true huh so jared leto out of all people Uh, uh, man, freaking Michael Keaton. Yeah, Michael he did Keaton. DC, sure. and Mar- DC and Marvel. Oh, yeah. I totally forgot. Damn, Batman and the Vulture. Shit. Uh, yeah. yeah, the Vulture's great. <laughs> uh, okay, well, Jared Leto, he's going to play, he's going to be in Marvel now, as with everybody is in Marvel now. Everybody everybody hates Jared Leto, though. Everybody rags yeah. on him. Do you think... The, I, I like Jared Leto. I, I loved him in Fight Club. Speaking of the underground fight clubs, I like that shit. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's fun. He, he's cool. I don't, I don't disdain him. It's just... I, I'm excited. I don't... Make, it, make the movie. I don't care. Just make the movie. Let's see what happens with it. Either they're going to fall flat on their face and we're going to forget about it forever. It's going to be decent. We're going to keep watching it. So... I say let them try it, you know, give it a shot, throw some stuff at us. The thing is with these blockbusters, they're not just long, boring slogs. Like, you remember Superman and just like, oh, my God, like, movie, there was a space between, like, 2000 and, like, 2005, 2006, where these movies were just such a slog. And, and so now we're in this age where these movies, man, they've got them down to, like, an algorithm and a science where they're either at least just fun or – you know, there's something to do with, there's something to say, or they're going to say something, or they're just going to be total crap and you're going to forget about them. So I think it's very exciting. Um, nonetheless, this is crazy. What, what world are we living in? When do we ever think we would have three Marvel, four Marvel universes, um, going on? And it, it's general audiences are going to be confused by it, but I'm fine. Like Tom Hardy is Venom. Sure. Give it to me. I'm down. I don't care. So I, I think this is cool. Yeah. I'm in, I'm in Jared Leto, Morbius, Vampire, if you do not know who that is, look that up in comments. I don't world. know who that is, so that sounds cool. So, um, it, it, like his images, like Morbius's images, like in comic books, are actually pretty frightening, uh, but pretty cool. Uh, so it will be interesting to see how they do that. All right, 
bloody recommendation time on my bloody podcast. We do bloody recommendations to give you, you know, some suggestions to make you excited about some future purchases you might have in the horror realm. Our esteemed, lovable guest, Cole, please give us your bloody recommendation, sir. <laughs> well, so the three of us were really into the Screen Factory series, the films. And so over the past year or so, I've got probably 50 of them because I became obsessed. And anyway, I ended up coming up to Dallas, buying a bunch of them, got all these collector's editions and uh, had a great time getting them. So that collection are these really well-known very renowned films such as From Beyond and uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2. So this movie is a release by them. It's no surprise that I'm choosing that. And it's a smaller release. They have these ones that are less collector's editions, more deep cuts. Um, and you can find some fucking great films in there, some really cool stuff. Um, from Unknown Origin, you guys talked about was one of them. Uh, another Peter Weller Leviathan I really like a lot. You can get a Swamp Thing. So this movie that I talk about, is uh, called The Vagrant, and it has Bill Paxton in it. Bill Pullman? <laughs> bill Paxton. It's not a double bill. It's a single bill with a little bit of Michael Ironside peppered in here and there. Oh, Ironside. So, <laughs> so I'd be surprised if Brian hasn't seen this, or Preston as well. It seems like a cable kind of, uh, not HBO, but it would play on like Cinemax or the movie channel in like 1996 or something like that. So this movie, uh, The Vagrant, uh, with Bill Paxton, it, it's 1992, so he's well into his career. Um, right before True Lies and Tombstone, after Aliens, Terminator, things like that. And so, it, it's an interesting film that I, that I really like a lot. That has a lot of cool subtext of wanting to make a life for yourself. He's this uh, lower level management guy, works at this accounting firm or some bullshit like that, and he he's so hell bent on doing well at his job. He's the opposite of Ron Livingston in Office Space. And, and um, he buys this house. He forces himself to buy this house, and he starts having these paranoia, uh, schizophrenic uh, episodes uh, in, a, in a sometimes comedic, sometimes I think pretty harrowing fashion of a vagrant outside of his house. Is it real? Is it not? Uh, who knows? But so he's compensating through all this psychosis uh, by buying extra things to impress a woman. Um, showing up to work when he really doesn't need to, just doing things that are really kind of causing him to self-destruct. So throughout the course of this film, uh, um, you get lots of biting humor in uh, it, it, somewhat like uh, a Joe Dante film is what I would kind of feel. Um, very playful and fun, but also uh, uh, scary. Um, like Gremlins. In some situations. Yeah, kind of like Gremlins, but with a vagrant and with um, – you know, it's also playing with some cool uh, Hitchcockian themes of, um, you know, just psychosis and paranoia. And to me, that's interesting because I'm trying to make a life for myself and I worry, you know, should I be buying these movies? Should I be doing this? Should, what should I be doing with myself? Um, as well as trying to make a life for myself and enjoying uh, what we have. And so that to me makes the best kind of horror. You know, it, it really falls in line. It's by no means as profound as something like Get Out, but that's something that's prescient in people's minds that they would recognize. Something that's like social horror. It's also a very silly, very stupid movie and not operating on that same level. Um, but it, I had a blast with it. And Bill Paxton, of course, um, is is excellent. I mean, he's, he's a fantastic actor. Um, and he really handled 
in this one. And Michael Irons is the detective investigating these uh, murders, and he's unhinged, and, and they use him just enough to, to make him effective. Um, this guy who directed it, his name's Chris Wallace. He did special effects on The Fly. Um, and he, oh, he directed The Fly, too, uh, as well. So, and that's really all he's done, but he's, he worked on Gremlins and Enemy Mine and Raiders of the Lost Ark. Well, in special effects, so maybe that's why. Um, I'm not sure if I picked through the visual language of the film that it represents that esque feel, or if I looked that up last week when I watched the film and subconsciously remembered that he worked on Gremlins. So, even so, it's in that spirit. It's a quick film and uh, it's meaningful to me. I love Bill Paxton so much and I miss him. And this is just so great that we're able to discover still new work from a guy who uh, already gave us so much. And, uh, yeah, The Vagrant. Check it out. Uh, you can find it. I got it off of eBay. Uh, Amazon probably have it. Shout Factory would have it on their website. Uh, and, 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 you know, and you could probably also, um, even though this may be blasphemous for this podcast, rent it on iTunes as well. No, that's fine. No, that's perfect. Uh, you know what? And for those of you who have never seen The Vagrant, uh, you should like you. You should look it up on your computer, The Vagrant. And when you see like the movie poster uh, or the DVD cover art, you'll notice that Bill Paxton does like the same pose as Macaulay Culkin on Home Alone. Um, he like <laughs> screams with his yes. hands on his face. <laughs> uh, so, yes, yeah, that's what made me want to see it. I was like, that is amazing. <laughs> Uh, the Vagrant, yes. Michael Ironside, badass. Bill Paxson, forever badass. Uh, so you've seen that film, I assume. A long time ago, yes. I definitely remember that. But do you know what I mean? They're like, it's not an, it's not good enough for HBO, but the movie channel would have played the shit out of it in the 90s. You know what I mean? Yeah. That kind like, of feel. Yeah, it's... Uh, Late night. Correct. Good nighter. It's an acquired taste, but it's a good acquired taste. Like it's you're gonna you enjoy it. <laughs> yeah. So absolutely. Uh, so yes, uh, Preston. What about you, sir? That was a yeah. That's hard to top. I mean, Bill Paxton and Michael Ironside, The Vagrant. <laughs> Bloody recommendation. Mm, yeah. Yeah, uh, I'm jumping on the other side of the pond from Scream Factory with Arrow. So Arrow released uh, this movie just recently, and it's 1995's The Addiction with Lily Taylor and Christopher Walken. And uh, it's more of an intellectual horror movie. It's kind of the best way to kind of describe it, or at least for me, is it's a lot like a Richard Linklater movie if he did a if he did a horror movie, because it's a lot of conversations, uh, because the central character <clears throat> played by, uh, Lily Taylor is this, uh, New York, uh, philosophy grad student. And, uh, the, the storyline's pretty basic in that she, um, gets bitten by a vampire and then, uh, deals with the consequences of that, uh, just getting used to like what it, doing to her body and then also having to go on the hunt and, and uh but how they treat uh 
functions in that uh, vampir- vampirism could easily be seen as like this economic transaction in the way that we feed off each other. Like, uh, you know, we rob each other of money and blood, both of which we need to to survive and also that the movie's called the addiction which is supposed to you know play with the idea of like you know addiction to drugs and so that's what happens to lily taylor's character she becomes addicted to uh the high that she gets from uh from uh, taking in the blood and so and when christopher Walken's character pops in he's kind of like this uh all-knowing type guy blend in more with society and that's what he's trying to inform to lily taylor's character except uh he's he drinks like the blood of vampires i think that's kind of what happens like he drinks the blood of vampires to achieve that uh where he's almost leaning more towards being a human than a vampire and there's one really great scene in the movie uh where there's and it's it's quite horrifying it's like the most terrifying scene of the entire movie and uh, once she's graduated uh, from college, she goes into this room and or, invites all these people over to her house. And, and when all these, like, professors and colleagues and uh, fellow students come into her uh, place, they just have this huge vampire orgy. And <laughs> uh, they... Uh, both uh, Lily Taylor and her friends that she turned them into vampires. They all just, just go crazy on all the humans that are, that are there. And uh, so I I don't know. It was just a very, uh, very smart uh, movie. It's also in black and white. Um, And I know my wife doesn't really like, uh, doesn't have the patience for black and white movies, especially if they're like newer ones that have come out in the nineties or sooner, like clerks or, or Nebraska or something like that. Cause she feels, uh, or I guess a lot of people feel that it's like pretentious to do that, but I feel like it kind of gave, uh, an interesting feel to the entire movie. Uh, especially that it's a, it's kind of a talking piece, uh, more so than anything else. But, um, I was pretty bl- uh, blown away by it. I was surprised with the dialogue and cinematography and all the casting and the lighting's really good. And I, I guess that's kind of what it, it was trying to achieve with the whole black and white feel. Kind of feels like an old horror movie, but uh, with uh, actual like intelligent people in it. Yeah, the addiction, and it's uh, it's interesting because Russell Simmons, that yes, that Russell Simmons produced it. Weirdly enough. And then two Sopranos actors were in it, Edie Falco and Michael Imperioli, before yeah. they did uh, Sopranos. But, yeah, The Addiction, that's, that, it's like an art house one, right? And, I, and I'm mm-hmm. glad we thought we lost Cole for a second, but he's here. He's here. Oh, yeah, I'm here for sure. Good, good, good. Um, but, yeah, The Addiction, uh, good stuff. Um do you own the addiction, Preston? Yes, I do. It's right here. Heck yes. Heck yes. From really Arrow good features video. on it, too. Huh? Yeah. The features? It's got really good features on it. Oh, yeah. cool. So if you're looking for a different vampire film that's not covered in glitter, um, check out <laughs> The Addiction. The Addiction. All right. 
I'll give my uh, my bloody recommendation. My movie comes from the year 2013. A little movie by the director Vincenzo Natale, who gave us Cube. Also, Splice, which we previously talked about earlier today. Didn't we? Yes, we did. Um, this movie is called Haunter with Abigail Breslin. Uh, am I saying that out? Is it Breslin? Like a Riesling or Abigail? I don't know. Um, did y'all see Haunter? I did not. All right. Abigail Breslin. Yes, Abigail Breslin. Uh, okay. Nope, did not see that. Um, Haunter. Uh, it is from Vincenzo Natale, the guy who made Cube and Splice. Uh, I actually really like this. Um, the, this is the like kind of the same way of storytelling, uh, the same storytelling um, kind of like the others, Nightmare on Elm Street, Groundhog Day. That's Those three movies kind of are a mix uh, for Haunter. Uh, which is uh, a very interesting combination, I know. Um, but uh, Haunter is told through the eyes of a 16-year-old girl, played by Abigail Breslin, who lives with her parents uh, and her younger brother. Um, and it takes place in the 80s. Uh, this young girl starts to notice something. Uh, something isn't right with her family, and she begins to notice very strange things happening. Uh, particularly that she and her family are reliving the same exact day over and over again. Uh, so as this goes on, um, nobody knows anything's going on minus this little girl. And then, uh, just hauntings and ghosts and like a sense of evil kind of happens through everything. And, uh, just damn good and damn like very atmospheric uh in a way that you're constantly on the edge of your seat but you're not doing jump scares it's just kind of like an eerie psychological feeling uh and like some pretty disturbing images uh i think you'll really like this um this movie because if you like the movie The Others with Nicole Kidman, A Nightmare on Elm Street, and Groundhog Day, I think you'll really like this movie. Um, they did a good they did a good job with it, and it's from IFC Films, which is you know sometimes they do stuff with Scream Factory. But there's tons of audio commentaries, including with the director, uh, behind the scenes uh, storyboards, all that good stuff. But yeah, check out Haunter. Um, actually, pretty cool movie starring Abigail Breslin. I IFC Midnight has good stuff. Yeah, they do. They have really good stuff. I really. I like mean, uh, did, did you like Ghost Stories this year? That was good. Uh, Back Country is another good one. Devil yes. Candy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Devil's so wow. I have to check that out. I'm gonna hunt that Blu-ray down. I'm gonna snag that. I mean, you give pretty good recommendations. So I, you know, I told you off mic that your Doctor and the Devils uh, lured me in one night. That's good stuff. Oh, I'm glad. Yeah, yeah. Check out check out Haunter. It's a cool movie. They did cool. a good job. Anyway, we we talked about Splice, and I like the movie Cube. So yeah, it's a pretty it's it's pretty good. Um, but those are our yeah right. Cube. I just got to see Cube on big screen. That's a good one. Yeah, yeah, I like it. I enjoy it. Um, all right, main event time. 
uh, we're going to talk about My Demon Lover, which is a 1987 classic, which is which is a movie that is too weird to be believed, but it actually happened. <laughs> my Demon Lover. My goodness. When you see the cover art, the poster to this movie, you're like, this ain't no horror movie. And, well... In a way, it is. In a way, it isn't. Um, <laughs> but if you like Family Ties, um, you might like this movie. Scott Valentine. Scott yeah. Valentine is in this. So I'm going to let y'all run with this because, you know, I- I'll just say this. If you like a saxophone player who plays saxophone on the subway, who just every time he gets a heart on, he turns into a different demon things happen yeah that's this movie but there's so much more to it there's layers this movie is layered (laughs) yes Uh, this movie is not to be don't it's hard to you can't simplify it because it's kind of a it's not on the same level as the room it's better as a film than the room but it operates on so many different weird levels that are confused that it doesn't know what it wants to be um you know, it starts off as this romantic comedy where this girl who is like a, uh, a 1980s bohemian uh, woman and she can't really get her shit together. She's the stupidest movie character I've probably ever seen that just does not give herself <laughs> any sort of credit at all. Uh, this woman, Michelle Little, and uh, especially, she, she especially can't get in her the op- opening. Yeah, she's getting her shit stolen in the beginning of the movie from her boyfriend. And then, and then uh, uh, as the... As they're running off with their shit, she she's like, "Oh, so sorry. Like I'm in your way of stealing my shit." Right. <laughs> right. It, I don't know if we're supposed to take this person seriously, but I don't. Um, and you know, she meets Scott Valentine on the street. He's essentially just catcalling women. He's a he's a fucking creep and a homeless person and just an all around skis bag. But um, she's attracted to skis bags. Uh, essentially, the, the a running joke in the movie is that she's like. Uh, attracted to homeless men or <laughs> something like that. I think she like tries to like hit on a home. I think she like thinks that a homeless man is her boyfriend, Kaz. Um, but this movie, he, Scott Valentine is, it, it's the perfect 80s sitcom-y type of film. Um, and he was on Family Ties, of course, and he is supposed to be this hunky guy, but he just comes off as just weird, a creep. Uh, his character is all over the place. Uh, the direction is awful in the movie. And then all of a sudden, he gets pizzazzed as a kid by a Romanian curse, and he uh, can't have sex. Uh, so I think he's a virgin, and so apparently he has all this built-up frustration, so he's so horny all the time. Uh, yeah. But the movie doesn't play by the rules, because he falls in love with this girl, um, and it doesn't play by any rules because, like, sometimes they'll be just touching and he'll be like, oh, my God, I can't. And then sometimes he'll be getting, you know, around in second and he's fine. So um, I don't want to get into logic on how this relates to actual sex life. <laughs> but, but, like, but he turns into a demon that's different each time. And I don't understand that. And I don't understand are they trying to show off makeup effects? Is this – why doesn't he change – why? Well, why think, does that well, happen? It's very- there, there's that one line in the movie where he's talking about I'm trying I'm not trying to impress Spielberg here, but I feel like they are. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah, I think part of that was I think that one of the producers was uh, Robert Shea, who did all the Nightmare on Elm Street movies. Uh-huh. So he came from yeah. 
all the he, he probably's like yeah we gotta get monsters in here and more monsters more movie monsters and all this and they actually look kind of cool but they're just like really I weird do. and i guess with like you know when you get really into the mood you like you might have like a different personality and maybe that's like some yeah. sort of it's a cool idea yeah but it, it, it's a really cool idea for a movie, and the movie plays with a lot of different ideas. I think the studio just didn't know what the film wanted to be, and then it becomes this beautiful mess of what in the what the hell is this? Um, because it's a romantic comedy, and it is. There's one straight up. There's one scene that is straight up horror, and it's pretty good uh, <laughs> horror. Where I don't want to spoil it, but um, he takes forms of uh, something that is. I, I can't. I don't know if I should give it away. No, but it, this movie's he, thirty years old. Give it away. Well, okay. So he takes the form of these different, um, these different just people, and it's like, why is he the form of people now? And she crushes his head, and she's terrified. Ketchup and, or no mustard? Mustard, mustard. Yeah. Yeah, mustard. <laughs> yeah, he says he at one point he says um, it has to just wear off like a heat rash. Okay, cool. Give me that's cool. Give me the rules for the movie. Tell me. But it doesn't really give you a time limit. He just comes back after getting his head blown off. And he's like, well, here I am. And we're, we're just going to go with it. Um, it. It's very inexplicable and, and weird um, like that. And did you guys know this movie existed before I was just, like, freaking out about it after I talked? Because I'd never even – it was a mind blower to me. The programmer here at the Owl in Houston found it and showed it to us. Um, so no, I was shocked. I didn't know yeah, I no, the, I I had heard of it, but I never saw it uh, cool. until recently. And does it have a reputation? The what? Is it what? The reason why I ask is like, does it have a reputation? Oh, I mean, I think it. I don't even know if it has a cult status. I mean, I know people know of it, but I think it's just one of those lost movies that just might be be yeah. shown because it's really hard to find and watch these days. You have to like know, you know pirate torrent sites or something like that to actually sure. watch it <laughs> you can read yeah, it on it's YouTube, just, YouTube now yeah that's right it's just cool because it is one of those lost things and that's what makes it feel really fun and exciting to be shown that randomly on a night in February uh, they paired it here with My Bloody Valentine um, which was a nice uh, dichotomy of movies but uh, this movie it opens with this pop song and it's great. And it's this band called Intimate Strangers. If anybody likes 80s pop, check this song out called Let Go that opens the movie. And uh, when Preston and I went to Frightmare uh, a couple months ago, we were jamming it in the car on the way there, <laughs> like just having a good time with it. Uh, as this is a podcast where we bring up horror movie songs, Let Go is great, but it doesn't fit in a horror scene. Like a, a Cry Little Sister has a dark, cool, gothic scene to it. But this is just... 80s pop this going for it. They were yeah. trying to make this movie. And it like doesn't can't, work at all. Like, like, can't buy me love or say anything. It's like plucked from that, thrown into this. Yeah. And it, it's just, it is. But it's not, it doesn't know what it wants to do. And so, therefore, it gets lost. But then rediscovered 30 years later. And um, I had... Uh, uh, my girlfriend uh, trying to find Michelle Little on social media because I was gonna be like, "What the hell happened on this movie?" Like, I have to know, but we couldn't find her. Yeah, it's interesting. The movie was written by somebody named Leslie Ray, a uh, chick, yeah, who went on to write a ton of TV shows such as Full House, 
Fresh Prince of Bel Air, and then created the Wayans Brothers TV show. <laughs> I can see it. I can see it. There's some sitcom-y lines. There's a there's a line where uh, Kaz. Uh, Scott Valentine is uh, getting busy with another uh, person to stimulate his demon powers they need to utilize. And she looks at the camera and she goes, ah, I thought you were supposed to be my best. Yeah. I thought you were supposed to be my best friend. And it's like straight up from Full House. It's just so good. But then you have other classic lines like, hey, Fruit Burger, want to take a shower? Yes, fruit burger. <laughs> That's a whole thing. Fruit burger. That's pretty. Fruit burger is uh, essentially how uh, they they met. Uh, she was she uh, Denny was eating some food at this restaurant outside, and just before that, there's this really kind of funny out of place scene where I guess there's oh. a lot of out of place scenes in that yeah. movie, but. A guy just uh, just falls into his soup and dies, <laughs> and then they carry him out. And then she's eating her dish outside, and uh, and then he Scott Valentine's uh, Kaz character is like waking up from his uh, trash nap, and then looks <laughs> o- <laughs> looks over and sees that uh, she's eating this burger, and he's like. Let me have this burger. Let me eat it. And then uh, she she gives in and gives him the burger. But then he takes a bite into it and immediately spits it out. It's like, what the hell is this? And she's explaining, like, all the different ingredients that are in it, like beets and cranberries or whatever else. And he's like, you gave me a fruit burger? A fruit burger? And then calls her that for some reason the rest of the movie. <laughs> You're and a fruit burger. <laughs> Yeah. He has. The, you did his accent for a second there. It was really good. I'm not going to ask you to do it again on the spot, but uh, he has this really hard New York accent that he plays with. It. It's really fun and comical, and uh, I mean, it works to a certain extent. And you can see that he's trying to amplify. Uh, poor Michelle Little, who's just awful in this movie. Uh, the director just left her on an island by herself and did not help her at all with this performance. And her character is written so badly, she has, like, no sort of agency for herself in her life. But these are the movies we're working with. And (laughs) it makes it so ridiculous to watch in hindsight and so great. And the movie's pretty joyous uh, with everything. With so many funny, funny funny-ass lines of Spielberg line, Fruit Burger. Um, There's a line at the end where a a magical... uh, black man character comes in and helps uh, Kaz along. And he, his last line that he says is let's howl baby. And he's like chasing this woman. And it's like, what does that mean? Are you going to like, assault her? Like, please don't do that, sir. Like, don't do that. And it's terrifying. You're like, did he just like hurt that woman? <laughs> and, but it's just like, it's an insane movie that is inexplicable. It's all over the place and quick and fun and just absolutely hilarious and uh you get a chance to watch it it's 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 amazing there's just so many fun fun parts to it scream factory if you're listening you need to do a collector's edition (laughs) to this movie get a hold of warner brothers please release wolfen as well and the hunger as well all on scream factory releases that would be great but yeah this movie I want more people to see it. it. It would be awesome. I would love to talk about it with more people. It played like gangbusters when I saw it, and I don't think anybody had really seen it to my knowledge. Um, 
And it was one of my favorite film going experiences I've had this year. And I just was like dying for friends to see this movie. Sweet. You want to say something, Preston? Uh, I wanted to talk about Denny's outfit. Uh, how she dresses like a clown with oversized men's coats uh, with pants tucked into her waist. That's the 80s and style, man. Yeah, it's just like a Diane Keaton-esque character. That's what they were going for with her, but it just doesn't work. <laughs> but clown shoes, though. <laughs> yeah, her massive coat yeah. that she wears. It's like a 46 long or something like that. It's insane. Yeah. That's the 80s, uh, man. That's the 80s. Bohemian lifestyle, bro. <laughs> And then uh, we could talk about how there's a giant medieval castle in the middle of Central Park. Yeah, for no reason. Yeah. Because why not? It had, did that movie have a good twist on you guys, or did you did you really not care about it? Because I thought it was kind of a nice surprise, the twist in the third act. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I sure. Mean, yeah. <laughs> I, I it was surprising. I, and then, like, because that's what everyone said. I guess I'm, like, taking crazy pills, but I... I was like, ooh, this is fun now. But uh, it, it's the way it's treated, it's treated with no sense of urgency at all. It's just the, like, okay, we got to go get her. The, the nerdy dorky guy? <laughs> yeah, yeah, he was terrible. He looks like a pedophile. Yeah, we, we kind of grazed right over the whole uh, idea of the plot or, or the more the extension of the plot being that you know, when he turns into these demons, he goes out at night and all these people oh, are getting killed and mauled all around the city. And they and they he thinks that it's that he's the guy because he blacks out every time he's a demon. But uh, so they call the guy the mangler. I'm the mangler. Yeah, I'm the mangler. And then here's a cookie. Here's a cookie. Yeah, it's just all about really horny guys just getting way too out of control, this movie. Uh, So uh, cut it out, fellas. Uh, You don't want to be My Demon Lover 2, directed by Charlie Loventhal. (laughs) Imagine a sequel to that. Yeah, and he hasn't done shit else other than, I think, produced that Deuces Wild movie with, like, James Franco and... James Franco and... (laughs) Steven Dorff. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I think it opened the same weekend as Sam Raimi's Spider-Man. <laughs> it did. And you know what? I saw both movies opening weekend. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> I did too. <laughs> That's great. Uh, off oh. topic, but amazing. Yeah, that was a good weekend. I was really excited for Deuce's Wild too. I was like, oh, that was cool. Brad Rimfro in one of his last roles. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, Baruza Ball for all you 90s fans of The Crash. Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah, so that's good. Hilarious. I've not thought about that. Yeah. yeah, man. Did you guys like the movie, though? Did you guys like this? Like, would you watch it again? Would you show your loved one, My Demon Lover? I, I, I yeah. seriously want a Blu-ray of it. So, you know, it's one of those movies where, yeah. like, hey, guys, we're going to do, like, a, we're going to do a movie tonight. You've never heard of it, and you're not going to believe it, but it's an 80s movie, and you're going to love it. Just go with it, and then put it in. You're like, it had, yeah. It has that 80s spirit that's really fantastic um, in a way that was only captured by that time. But unfortunately, there's only an SD version available online. Uh, there's no been no restoration done by uh, Warner Archives. But there's a DVD. There's just, yeah, just the DVD. That has no special features, and when you pop it in, it just has, like, the Warner Bros. like water tower, and that's it. And then as soon as you hit play, boom, it's the purple... Uh, background that they have with the titles. 
I, I love that purple background, that opening with, with that song playing. It's so cool. And I think it's really well done. Uh, I love that shade of purple and, and the, the mood it kind of sets you in with the movie to just kind of relax with it and just go, just let it go with it, as the song says. Yeah. That's good stuff. Oh, I think we finished our 10th episode of my bloody podcast. Hi. Oh, I'm so happy. I'm so happy that Cole joined us and I just want him to join again. He's amazing. And we need to do this podcast in space now. That's the next, yes. that's the next level. Uh, there's no sound in space. <laughs> <laughs> there's no sound. There's, there's no podcast in space. Uh, um, yeah, we're my bloody podcast. We're on iTunes and Stitcher radio, boys and girls. Um, look us up. Give us a shout. Give us a review. Give us a rating. We love you for it. Please. Um, Cole, where can they find all of your good writings and ramblings on? Um, at freshfiction.tv. Uh, I did a recap of Jaws on the Water and Sicario 2, uh, which I would recommend moviegoers to go check out too this weekend. So, yeah, find me there. And, uh, yeah pretty much it cool and preston what about you sir where can they find all of your glorious images and writings uh you can find me at the ditton record chronicle dittonrc.com and i wrote about the exact, exact same thing so if you uh like me over <laughs> coal you can go there i'm just kidding let's uh, movie fight <coughs> yeah and uh, I'm also the features editor at Fresh Fiction TV. So, yeah, uh, check uh, Cole's uh, uh, really great. He gave me the exclusive preview to his uh, Sicario review and his Jaws write-up, which we'll be putting up tomorrow morning. So you can find that there. Cool. Well, I'm going to read definitely read that. Uh, yeah, go to iTunes, go to Stitcher Radio. Hopefully coming soon we'll be on uh, Spotify. So um, let's hope. But my bloody podcast, and we love you all, and thanks again, everyone. You're my demon lovers.